to what is it about the weather, where weather is always our theme, but, well, as you know by now, talking about your weather forecast or my weather forecast, that's really not what we're going to do. However, this week we're going to kind of look at the question or the idea of, even though we're not going to do it here, could a dog be a good weather forecaster? But before we do that, let me just touch base with you and catch up a little bit on what's been going on in my weather entwined world over the past week as you know when i was putting things out with last week's episode there was a pending kind of winter weather event headed my way and that came in past it it didn't go as planned so that that led to uh, some interesting things over the course of the weekend and you know last week i kind of hit on this whole fake news social media thing and, and again I, I think I mentioned then we're we're going to do a future episode at some point where we really get into that topic in a bit more detail but just generally speaking one of the other things that has been on the plate for a while in terms of episodes has been doing you know what's the best weather app to use right and we did a little kind of sub segment of that when we talked about radar apps but I one of the things I really wanted to evaluate in terms of the quality of weather forecast apps was their ability to handle a winter weather event. And what I can tell you is, based on the event I had, none of them passed. Um, let's just say that, that where I was, and again, I know this from having lived here long enough or enough over, over a period of time, that winter weather doesn't always play out in this region the way it's forecasted to. So, you know, Initial glance, none of them were the right app. So I I want to give them some more take. And, you know, as I said before, a lot of it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for just temps, there are, you know, quite a few. And I I may have to back off and pick one just that that does the potentially the best job and not look for something all-inclusive, although I'd I'd like to find something that I can really recommend and say that, you know, I think this is the optimal tool that you should be using. Any case, the other thing you may have heard, you know, I know not everybody around the globe may have, have gotten this information, but there was some big talk in, in the U.S. particularly about something called atmospheric rivers, which is a term thrown around, um, you know, weather phenomena that has to do with kind of moisture being pulled out of the tropical regions of our planet and transported to, you know, the mid-latitudes. And in in this case, it's not an uncommon occurrence, but it's an interesting one that comes up from time to time in the western U.S., particularly in California. There were some big, and and again, you may have seen news about some big rain and snow events that were impacting the western U.S., and particularly California. And atmospheric rivers were mentioned because, what the idea is, or the concept is in this case, is it's not just a transport of moisture. It's a very narrow band. And so what it you know, conveys is that a lot of moisture is provided to a, a very narrow strip of geographic space when you're, you know, when you're thinking on large scales. In any case, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to something you can read. You, you may have heard the term atmospheric river, wonder what's really going on. And it's funny, one of... Uh, the students of the new class I'm teaching even kind of astutely said it seemed more like a marketing term to him than a reality. And, and there is some science behind it, but it is kind of a marketing term. But, you know, for, for different people, different terminology can help convey an idea. So check the show notes if it's a topic that interests you. And then lastly, I, you know, I saw somebody uh, that I'm connected with in social media. I think it was in Facebook actually came out with a list of um, 
kind of top weather slash meteorology Twitter accounts to follow. And, of course, they were promoting it because they had been on the list, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. There were people on there that I agree with. There are some that I definitely think were excluded. I was, you know, it's a personal list, and that's fine. But if if you really like the weather aspect of what we do and, and are active on social media and want to follow a few more of these people, it's certainly a good core list to choose from. So, without further ado... My voice is kind of running out of steam. Again, that's been the adjustment this week for me. My weather in Twine world, right, is is getting back to uh, doing something where I'm speaking on a regular basis and happen to be speaking about you know, weather topics in this class that I'm teaching. And so my voice is a little bit on overload this week. I'm not, I'm not used to um, I essentially giving presentations is quite this often. So if... if uh, I go into really quiet mode by the end of this podcast. Please forgive me. But I, I think this is an episode that we, we won't dive in. You know, it certainly won't be a topic we go to uh, great lengths uh, in terms of time on. It's an interesting topic, and we've covered some before. You know, we've talked about, I've alluded to animal weather connections in the past. And we've done a couple of specific things. For instance, the one where we explored um, fishing and atmospheric pressure. And I wanted to talk just more generally about one that kind of came to mind from two things. So, the again, the, the premise here is, do dogs make good weather forecasters? And you can read a lot on the internet about, yeah, I, my dog can forecast the weather, or I know a storm's coming with this and that. And there's always this question of, is that really what's going on, or, or that connection really happening? And I'll give you some ways to think that it might be and, and might not. So let me just, you know, historically. So I, we really got three things going on. So one is that sort of thing. And so I talk to people about their dog. You see somebody with a dog and they find out what I do and they'll they'll almost always tell me if their animal's with them about how their dog is this way or that way during weather. And that, and that may very well be the case. But the other thing that was kind of interesting when we were talking about this snow stuff a few weeks ago is some dogs really like snow while others don't. So, you know, you've got this concept of are all breeds the same and how, you know, some dogs may want snow and so act in a certain way and other dogs may not. And so if you're not used to interpreting which is which, that could be challenging. Probably the most prominent thing, we were dog sitting for some family members last year and their dog, and we were warned a little bit about this advance, their dog, you know, kind of hung out in our apartment and um, but then at one point, I don't remember if it's the first night or whatever, but some thunderstorms were coming through. And next thing I know, there's a dog's head up under my pillow just buried in there. It was it was really kind of funny and entertaining to me, and it didn't bother me. I did, the dog was much more comfortable being around the humans and trying to, to uh, hide their ears from the sound. So, you know, all those things kind of kind of point to it and, and kind of, promote the idea of there maybe being a connection and it gets back to some of the things we've talked about with with pain and, and the human condition and, and weather as well some of these things are difficult to study so let me just say that I could not find any deep research on this topic right I could find stories about it plenty of people written about it plenty of people had promoted ideas but none of them and I repeat none of them and again if if you're listening and you know of something that's real research where specifically we're talking about dogs. The, the, the closest thing I found in recent times were 
earthworms and earthquakes. But I digress. I'm not going to go there in this episode. So let's talk a little bit about why a dog might be a good weather forecaster. Okay. And so much of this is based on the concept that as creatures, their senses are much more sensitive, okay, to changes or picking up, whether it's motion, whether it's, you know, sounds, whatever it might be, being able to discern behavior that we as humans either can't or we choose not to. I mean, you know, a lot of things with so much of what we do, and, and you, you can imagine this in life, you know, the whole texting and driving thing, the reason it's so dangerous is you, you kind of can't do both at the same time, right? However, you might be able to listen to the radio. There, there's some things where we can kind of turn it on autopilot. And the belief is, generally speaking, that animals, as a rule of thumb, don't do that. But my guess is some of them probably do. If you, if you have a dog that's always lived with you and lived in a certain way, it's not that they may not hear or smell, you know, with the ear or nose to the capability of the breed or, or that individual dog, but they may choose to tune it out, right? So you've, you've got to think about that. But generally speaking, dogs can hear better than we can and certainly can smell better than we can. There's belief that their sense of touch with their paws is better than we have. Not even necessarily so much, and this this is a question of how much it is the the paw or, or some other part of the body when it comes to earthquakes, and I mentioned earthworms, but there have been you know investigations with dogs in particular that they have a sense of the ability to feel what, what are called, um, you know, we have aftershocks, but you have foreshocks as well. And their ability to feel these foreshocks puts them in a heightened state. And so they're more attuned to the fact that a bigger event, particularly a large earthquake, might be coming. And so all these things come into play of how does the dog, you know, interpret these things when it comes to weather. There's also, there is this question of pressure. Now, unlike, you know, fish which is underwater where air pressure changes are going to be less pronounced for them, certainly on the planet, and we talked about this with, with human pain as well. It's not well understood, but there's a belief that, you know, that your body responding to these pressure changes, there might be enough change internally where your body can pick it up. The challenge, as it was with that episode with humans, is how universal is this? And I think the reality in so many of these cases is it's probably not. Okay, not saying that all dogs do or don't have better smelling and hearing capability, but again, what they choose to do with it, how they've evolved in terms of their interpretation of those signals, I think just like with humans can vary from person to person. I think with dogs, it can vary from person to person as well. So scientifically, the idea of them being able to sense a thunderstorm coming or rain coming yeah, and I, I read an article as an example that you know I couldn't understand why my dog didn't want to go outside the dog always wants to go outside and then we went out I, you know, I picked him up I took him with me and down the road we got and sure enough it rained now we get in this whole thing of cause and effect because we're doing we're making this interpretation 
Okay, the humans are making this interpretation because we we have no way today to to really measure that, and we get into this whole cause and effect. And this was, you know, it's a problem with human studies, even when we're directly you know involved. But what you don't know is there could have been a huge dog who was right outside the door, or you know within smell range, and and your dog was terrified because this other dog was close by and didn't want to have anything to do with it. You made the connection because it was rain. Now, cause and effect is always this difficult thing. So you always have to look for repeat behavior. So if you see this behavior again and again and again, and the only consistent thing is this type of event, it's a reasonable conclusion to draw. All right? So what we get to is the idea, whether it's through whatever the sense may be, and, and I think it may vary or be some combination thereof, that Certain types of weather events, you know, we did the episode on the smell of rain, right? Or, you know, we t- I talked about this dog that, you know, had thunderstorm issues, and that's been studied, and it's believed to be real that, that, that some pets, you know, not all of them, but some of them are very sensitive to thunderstorms for whatever reason, and it may be an individual dog event, right? Not all of them seem to suffer from this. Some like a good walk in the rain, just like I like a good walk in the rain. Or some like to play in the snow, just like I like to play in the snow. So, you know, maybe I need to find the happy weather dog. But the, are they, how are they going to behave when they sense these things are coming? And this is part of the problem with studying it, right? Is, is not everybody's response is the same to the same stimulus. So what we have here is there's plenty that have been written about it. And I, you know, I found all sorts of stories about in, in what I would call the you know, normal media, not in research journals, but normal media, and hypothesis you know, that varied up, up behind what the reason was. And like I said, one site happened to do with these, you know, it was more about earthquakes. And actually, apparently, the U.S. government, I didn't read it enough in detail. I'd, this is one thing I need to validate, but it sounded like, you know, that geology groups had funded studying the animal response being that, you know, here, here's the idea. Animals, okay, so four shocks in an earthquake can happen some period of time in advance. They're not, you know, it, whether it's a few minutes or, or longer. With any tragedy capable event, whether it's an earthquake or any other sort of disaster, tsunami, whatever it might be, you're always looking for as much lead time as you can provide, right? The, the whole idea is to get as many people as you can out of harm's way. So the more lead time you have, and you know anybody who's watched the movie Twister, they talk about how they're improving the times on warnings, but it's still not enough. And, th- and that's true. The more lead time you can give people, the better. Now, you don't want it to be so far in advance that people really don't know how to interpret or act on it. But you want to give people enough time to get to safety when there's a dangerous situation at hand. So the, the premise, again, was the following. Dog of certain breeds, okay, not all breeds, feel these foreshocks and respond a certain way, you know, whatever that might be. Either they become more anxious or they go to certain cover or whatever it might be with specific situations. And that provides an advance warning of these events taking place. Same thing could be said, like I was saying a few minutes ago, smell of rain. Well, if we can smell rain coming, wouldn't you think with a dog's advanced ability to smell that they would be able to smell it even further in advance? And might that be far enough in advance where their acute senses provide additional warning 
to get away from the hazard. Okay, pressure changes potentially hearing. Of, you know, thunderstorm. They, we've talked about this. They can clearly hear different ranges than what we take in. So, might they be able to give you a sense of a potentially dangerous thunderstorm coming? Now, all this is conjecture, and I have no doubt that somebody listening to this podcast has a dog that can probably in some way better forecast the weather in the now than you know their own senses the real question is is this just kind of a neat thing or is it useful in some way because even if we accept the fact that they're they're attuned to the natural world a little better than we are what can we really do with that information I think in the short term, again, if you know, if you've witnessed this behavior in your dog and you know it always precedes a certain type of weather event, you've made that connection because it's almost through your observation and scientific analysis, right, that that you've been able to say, hey, this is what's going on. And I think that my dog, and again, this doesn't have to be your dog. I mean, maybe your cat acts a certain way or a bird or whatever it is, whatever your pet might be behaves a certain way before these weather events take place. So there may be to it more than it's just an old wives' tale, but what I would tell you is it's also equally important to assume that, I, you know, not only is it not universal amongst all animals in most cases, but it may not even be universal. You know, the original hypothesis was it was certain breeds, but it's not even from what the evidence has shown, it's not even universal necessarily within a breed that there are just certain Hey, certain people, just like you have uh, weather weenies, you know, those like me that like the weather and like talking about it or talking about the topics, you may have animals that are attuned to it for good or bad. I mean, that's what usually happens, right? For, for so many things, we tend to drown it out, right? Weather happens to us every day. And so for, for most of the events that take place, we tend to drown it out. And there are certain things that we're acutely aware of for whatever reason it is, whether it's a, a positive or a negative. Now, for me, most most days I'm looking for kind of that weather. I like to feel the weather. I like it to rain, snow, like I've mentioned before, or even a windy day. So does your pet, does your dog give you that sort of information, and how are you, you going to use it? So, you know, wouldn't run out there and buy a specific breed if you're looking for a, a, a weather dog. But just, you know, just like you observe a, a small child and, and learn what they may like or not like, do the same with your pets. Get to know your pet in a way that maybe you hadn't thought about it before. And it, it, it is probably really important when it comes to the stress side of things. This this thunderstorm anxiety, and I will put a link in the show notes. I mean, there there's real conversation about how to help potentially your animal deal with the challenges of weather stress Uh, it it was a specific i forget the phrase that they used that had to do more around thunderstorms but it is a you know real perceived problem or challenge for how to deal with pets and thunderstorms and you know i would be remiss if i didn't also take a moment and say anytime you do a search on weather and dogs particularly the first thing that always comes up is don't leave a, a dog in a hot car And let me remind you, even though I'm sitting in the middle of winter, even though it doesn't feel like it right now, I'm sitting in the middle of winter, please treat your animals just like you would treat 
yourself or a family member or anything else, recognize that they suffer just as much in a hot car as anybody else. So be cognizant of that and understand why you shouldn't leave a dog in a hot car. All right. So, question. Do dogs make good weather forecasters? Well, the answer might be, do humans make good weather forecasters? I, my, my answer is, maybe some dogs do. Maybe some dogs do. But, you know, the reality is it's going to be on the very short term. Until I have a weather dog that can interpret weather models for me and look at things that might come two or three days in advance, I'm not sure they're going to replace things. But, hey, if you have one more weather piece of weather instrumentation around you and it just happens to be your dog, why not leverage that, right? So enjoy your dog in another way that maybe you haven't before or your pet if you don't have a dog. All right, so interesting tidbit for the week. I realized I forgot to do one last week. I'm not going to give you two this week. I'm just going to do this one. So, you know, all this stuff with with what, with what um, this class I'm teaching stuff, I've just been barraged with information I hadn't necessarily looked at in a little while in, in depth. But I was reminded of something the other day that had to do with, with clouds and the idea, and this had to do with this winter storm as well, that... You know, all clouds are really dirty. You know, you look up in the sky so often and you see these nice white billowy clouds, but recognize that clouds, with very few exceptions, okay, a cloud and the condensation process can happen with just pure water, but it doesn't happen very often and it takes, it, it's kind of a rare case. It does happen, but not the norm. The norm is for the water to condense on what we call a condensation nuclei. And that can be just about anything from sea salt that's sprayed and, you know, thrown into the air from waves. It can be from pollutants from factories and things of that nature. There's a, there's a variety of things that serve as these nuclei. But just recognize that no matter how white or gray or whatever color the cloud is that you're looking at, the reality is it's probably dirty. Well, just keep that in mind when you're eating snow and, you know, drinking rainwater. Not all of them are necessarily bad for you, but it's not pure H2O, as the saying would go. So, all right. Future episodes. I am going to touch on that social media stuff I, I mentioned. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be next week or sometime in the next few weeks, and I still need to get to that best weather app. You know, along those lines. Many of you have been listening for a while. If you have a weather app that you really like, that you really want to make sure that I'm considering and have found it to really be accurate, don't hesitate to let me know, and I will either make sure that it's one that I'm already looking at, or if it's not, add it to the mix. So let's wrap up here and let you get on with your weather-entwined week. You know the drill. How to get hold of us. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? You can pop me an email, show ideas, thoughts, feedback, whatever it might be. The website, whatisitabouttheweather.com. You know, there's all sorts of information there that, about how to support the website or support the podcast, how to follow the, the podcast or myself on, you know, Twitter or Instagram. If you like weather pictures, some of my stuff is, there's links to it there. Um, and again, I put a lot of that stuff in, in Twitter and Instagram as well. So you can catch the majority of there. Or if you just want to do a big burst on the pics, I've, I've got a Google Photos page as well. And of course, as always, the talk about supporting the podcast. You guys have been great. And however you support, it's great. You know, if you're supporting us through Patreon, through the P part of RSVP, or have done a, a PayPal 
donation. It is appreciated. Those things help offset the real hard costs that the podcast has, the hosting, equipment, that sort of thing. But anything, whether it's rating, you know, putting some stars up on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you might get the podcast if they allow those things, sharing, telling other people about it. Again, you know, over 100 countries now. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. Validate. Give us feedback. That's critical. You know, I, I again, I had somebody who was kind enough. Um, Jack, thanks for sending in another show idea that, you know, some people are really good about that. And I realize that's not everybody's thing. But every now and then, if something hits you, don't, don't hesitate to send it my way. And even if you send it and I turn it into another way, you know, you may think, I'm not sure if this would make a good show idea, but throw out the idea or the thought because it can spark things in me that may lead to 10 episodes or turning it into a, a slightly different twist. I, you know, I like coming up with ideas, and I, like I said, I've got a slew of them as, long, as well as having a slew of things from other people, but some of them are easier episodes than others. And, you know, I run this challenge of getting into a rut where I end up doing too much of the same thing or, you know, something fresh is it coming to my mind. So, you know, I love getting that kind of input from you. So don't hesitate at any point in time. So until next time, until next time when we will talk about another topic that has worked its way into our everyday life, just remember there's much more to weather than the weather itself. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather. This is a two-word super production.